Tonight on the Fanatic Forum, I've got a whole lot of geek news, plus new comic book reviews, all kinds of fun stuff. And we're going to talk about that right after this. Happy Friday and welcome to the Fanatic Forum. I'm your Fanatic and Prime Fanatic, I should say, and host George Bueller. Hope everybody's having a good week out there so far and happy weekend to you. I uh, hope you got some, a lot of fun stuff planned here. Uh, first off, I've got to get a shout out because uh, normally uh, my schedule is I work on Saturdays at the shop and then I'm off on Sundays, but due to flip-flop for a very good reason. Uh, my buddy Bill Hood is getting married to his lovely fiance Patty uh, tomorrow afternoon. So uh, they are getting have a nice little ceremony. Looking forward to it, and I think I get to be uh, MC and DJ uh, as well. So all right, so yeah, we're gonna have a good time there. So uh, congratulations to Bill and Patty out there. So looking forward to the uh, the shindig. Anywho, uh, like I said, got tons of geek news for you guys here. New comic book reviews. All kinds of fun stuff here. So uh, a couple of geek news I'll share right off the top of the page here. Uh, of course, uh, season two of Invincible has finally started on Amazon. Uh, so there's only one episode right now. Uh, and apparently we're only going to get half the season. Uh, so I can't remember how many episodes they're going to give us, like three or four maybe. And then we got to write for part two next year. So they are going to split up a little bit on us. Uh, but at least we get, uh, but it's going to be like one episode a week. Apparently is how they're going to release it. That's uh, typically that's Amazon's format. So sometimes they change it up, but right now they're doing one a week for us. So first episode of Invincible season two, currently streaming, go check it out. Uh, for wrestling fans tomorrow, we have got crown jewel uh, for WWE, which is basically their pay-per-view from Saudi Arabia. Uh, of course, the big uh, main event is uh, Roman Reigns versus LA Knight for the undisputed WWE championship. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know if Roman's going to drop the belt. Uh, to, I, I'd love to see LA as a champion, but I don't know if now is the time. So, but again, we shall see. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we'll get to some other MCU news here because I've got tons of stuff for coming things coming up later on this year, uh, and then of course a little bit next year as well. Uh, but yeah, so let's do some comic reviews here first off. Oh, yeah. And, of course, for video game news, I, I need to pick this up. But Spider-Man 2 is finally out. Uh, of course, it's PlayStation uh, 4 and 5, I think. I don't know. If maybe it's on the, it may not be on the 4. It may just be all next-gen next stuff. But either way, yeah, I, I can't wait to check that one out. And I got some comments already. So let's see who's popping in here. <laughs> Dave Mattingly, how you doing, sir? So the MCU is hopping these days. Uh, says Loki season two has been amazing. Yes, it has. Uh, episode five 
uh, just dropped yesterday. So, of course, you know, officially streaming now. Uh, and we got one more to go before the season wraps up. So, uh, yeah, uh, lots of things going on. Uh, we will talk Loki uh, here in the very near future. There's a lot of stuff to break down for this new season here. John Pica chiming in here. Hello, sir. Uh, you think Rain, Roman Reigns will retain at Crown Jewel, uh, but is injured, and Damian Priest cashes in on Reigns. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I was kind of thinking there's definitely going to be some kind of uh, interference, at least, where, like, you know, Reigns will not win clean, so it will look good for LA Knight, but Reigns will still retain. But I like the twist of Damian cashing in, because there's some weird stuff that's been going on with the Judgment Day. Of course, you got, like, you know, is Finn going to get kicked out or not? And then we've got, like, you know, J.D. McDonough popping in, trying to, you know, force his way into the group and just a little bit of dissension and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I would love to see Damian Cash in on Reigns. That would be amazing. <laughs> Good point, man. Uh, oh, and, and uh, John Pica, you would appreciate this. Uh, Michelle and I, my lovely wife, we took a uh, ghost walk in Old Louisville. Uh, for our wedding anniversary this past weekend. So uh, they do historic ghost tours, and uh, they have a couple of different ones here. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, the, our guide was very good, and, uh, yeah, we had some really cool stuff here. Oh, here we go. Uh, John's saying that Judgment Day is about to expand their roster with the addition of Drew McIntyre and Logan Paul. Yeah, I hope not Logan Paul, but it, I, we, I would be down with Drew, you know. Heck, you can kick out uh, Finn Balor and uh, just replace him with Drew McIntyre. That's a good idea. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Dave. Wishing me a happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I appreciate that. All right. So uh, I got some new Marvel stuff to talk about here. This is cool. Um, first issue of a new storyline for Avengers is issue number seven. Uh, Twilight Dreaming is the uh, issue number here, or the uh, title of the storyline here. Really enjoyed Jed McKay's run on this so far. Um, basically, we're dealing with an Avengers kind of dealing with a, you know, a last ditch effort. They're getting their butts kicked by this new, by something brand, brand new. Uh, we already had, you know, new uh, villains in the last storyline for the last six issues. And now we got something new in here where basically it's kind of, you know, everybody's getting killed off. Everybody's dying. But is it all entirely real? And a villain we haven't seen in a long time especially tangling with the Avengers uh, pops up on this one here. Uh, so, uh, you know, our, our Earth's Funniest Heroes will have a bit of trouble sleeping. <laughs> uh, next up here, we have Ultimate Universe. Now, of course, this is part of the relaunch of the Ultimate Universe that Jonathan Hickman is doing here. This is a one-shot that's going to kind of get things kicked off uh, for some new titles popping up uh, next year. We've got... Uh, a new uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, we've got a new Ultimate X-Men, and then an Ultimate Black Panther is the new one. So that was, they never really did, any, Black Panther was included in the uh, Ultimates line, in the original line, but he never had his own solo titles. That's interesting. Uh, the one I'm really intrigued about is the Ultimate Spider-Man, because uh, it's going to be dealing with a Peter Parker who will be getting his spider powers as an adult. Kind of like he's getting a you know sort of very later in life, so yeah, very curious to how that's going to work out. So, uh, but yeah, uh, more to come in 2024 for the Ultimate Universe. Lastly, for our Marvel stuff here, now this is a big one. Spider Boy number one, basically ripped from the pages of Spider Man. Uh, very much like Marvel Century, Spider Boy was a character that basically everybody forgot about. 
uh, including Spider-Man himself. But apparently, uh, Riley was a longtime sidekick for Spider-Man. His powers are uh, definitely Spider-esque, but different. He does not throw webs at all, but he's got spider speed and strength. Uh, the big difference is he's got, uh, he can, when he kind of spite when he monsters out a little bit, he actually has like fangs, so he can bite and poison people if he wants to and weaken them, sort of thing. So, but an interesting uh, storyline here. Uh, interesting is, you know, basically being a little different than your usual Spider Man stuff, having a bit of a lighter feel to things. Uh, kind of reminiscent of kind of some early Spider-Man, maybe early Miles Morales before he kind of got older and they got a little more serious. So has a little bit lighter tone, but definitely some interesting stuff. Uh, there's more of his origin that was in the Mark Bagley dance, uh, yeah, Mark Bagley dance slot uh, Spider-Man title. So they had like a three-issue run, kind of give you a little bit more of his origin. So if you need some more interesting uh, info about that, but I sort of liked it. It was like it was okay. But yeah, I'm just I'm at least intrigued by the character and what more they're going to do with this one. Uh, it's not identifying you, Facebook user, but howdy, howdy, and howdy to you. Good to see you. And John Pika popped up says, "Haven't read Avengers number seven yet, but you know that Nightmare was a major part of No Way Home storyline. Yes, he was. Um, I don't think this is so much, you know." going to be a no way home as sort of thing here but um yeah definitely nightmare is involved in this so good to see him back always like him uh one for dc uh, definitely want to comment on this one here batman catwoman the gotham war scorched earth uh this is uh basically the conclusion of the storyline and kind of new kickoff point uh for batman and kind of a new status quo for him uh, major shakeups in this book. I was not expecting a lot of the things that happened in here. Uh, we had one almost death, one definite death, and then one kind of mystery. You know, are they, are they not? Sort of uh, intrigue there. Uh, but the most interesting thing is that basically Batman has completely now been cut off entirely from, you know, we've known for a bit now that he's, you know, especially during the Joker War storyline a few years back, he's been cut off from his wealth. And so he's got very, you know, very little of what he used to have. Now he no longer lives in uh, Gotham Manor. Uh, the Batcave is owned by Vandal Savage and, you know, the, the real estate there. So when he took ownership of the manor and the Batcave, he sort of basically gave out all of Bruce's toys to his rogues gallery. So a lot of his tech is out in the open. Uh, then he also was cut off from his own resource network uh, through the Bat family, basically through his own actions during the Gotham War. Uh, all of well, his body's breaking down. He's still dealing with a new robotic hand, and his mind is getting a little frayed from his own mental fail safes he's put in here. So I'm very intrigued about uh, issue of uh, 138 of Batman. Guess be the next one coming just the status quo of where they left things off. It's like, he has no family. He barely has any tech, barely has any resources. And he's also, there's a little stinger at the end there where he's having a conversation with the Riddler that apparently, you know, he was, they were talking about the fact that there are three jokers within the DC universe. Batman is aware of this. Um, they never operate at the same time. Typically they all kind of, handle different things, do different stuff, whatever else. But there are three separate people that are of the Joker. They 
wrote this in the continuity a few years back. Uh, but very interesting thing, though, is that two of the Jokers, if you're reading the uh, Joker, the Man Who Stopped Laughing series, two of the Jokers are in a bit of contention with each other. And so that's causing a lot of problems. And so now, basically, the Riddler is almost kind of sending out Batman to do their dirty work or clean up the mess the Joker's been making. So that's kind of where we are right now with Batman stuff. So just some fascinating stuff. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm really enjoying Chips and Ruskin's run here. Uh, Dave Manley uh, asks, is, uh, I take it Spider-Boy is unrelated to the Amalgam character. Yes, completely different character. Uh, basically, that Spider-Boy had like a, a gun that shot webs and looked, you know, kind of, you know, crossover with it. Uh, Superboy and Spider-Man sort of thing. But yeah, completely unrelated to that Spider-Boy. Uh, let's see. Next up, got a few indies here to talk about. Uh, first off, from AWA, this is issue four of The Ribbon Queen, written by Garth Ennis, uh, Jason Burroughs, doing the art. Uh, this is a horror series. It's uh, kind of a spooky ghost sort of thing like that. A lot of gore in here, but also you get a great mystery. Uh, it's definitely a whodunit. And then you kind of also a bit of how they did it and who is helping them do it sort of thing. Uh, but we're dealing with uh, essentially uh, corrupt cops who have essentially a uh, their own sex trafficking ring they've started where they, you know, kidnap girls and make them do things and, you know, people pay them, all that sort of, you know, evil stuff. Uh, there is one cop who's trying to uncover all the corruption that the bad cops are doing. They're making things tough for her. Uh, but one of the girls in particular has basically fallen under the influence of this mysterious ribbon queen, who is some sort of, at this point, natural force. I don't know. But uh, they're all about revenge uh, for basically uh, violence against women. And it is in terrible form. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> If some of the gore on the front cover is a little bit of an indication, yeah, the, the re revenge is met with uh, very grisly uh, <laughs> means. A <laughs> uh, couple from Dark Horse here. Uh, one new and one a second issue here, but new one here. This is Canary from Scott Snyder and Dan Panosian. This is a Western uh, whodunit. A uh, lot of fun. Really enjoyed this one here. Um, Canary is the name of the town. Um, it uh, takes place kind of in uh, the late 18, uh, I think it's like 1891, uh, near Utah. But yeah, Canary is the name of the town uh, where the murder happens. Uh, a school teacher is murdered basically in front of her classroom. Uh, and it was done by a person who claimed, basically the townspeople claim is more monster than man. Uh, but also the town sheriff that basically is hunting this particular criminal down has a bit of a past with him, too. So, uh, yeah, very intriguing. Dan Panosian's art is beautiful. This is like, you know, it's like if you, you know, they turned Red Dead Redemption uh, into a comic book. Uh, but, yeah, just great Western uh, scenery. Uh, but, yeah, it's a whodunit mystery. But, yeah, just very cool. Love that one. I mean, we haven't got a good Western comic book in a long time. So, uh, thank you, Scott Snyder and Dan Panosian. <laughs> uh, another one from uh, Dark Horse Comics. This is Colin Bunn's new one, The Midnight Show. This is issue two that just came out this week. Uh, talked about this one uh, last month when it came out. Uh, basically, this was a long-lost cursed movie called The God of Monsters. Basically, pretty much think if like Lon Chaney 
was also a director and decided that he was going to do like the ultimate monster movie, all the bad monsters, you know, that he's created over the years, Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, the wolf man, the, uh, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, all those kind of monsters, basically having kind of like a battle royale to see who's the greatest of them all sort of thing. Uh, but this movie was never finished. It was considered cursed. Well, apparently the movie was unearthed, played for an audience, and as the movie starts playing, reality and fiction start blending. And basically the monsters are now attacking the filmgoers, the townspeople, all sorts of things like that. Uh, so Dracula has a big part in this uh, particular issue but uh, who also comes in as a bit of a helpful force, uh, helpful in quotations, would be our cover boy here, Mr. Frankenstein's monster. So, yeah, and an interesting take on him as well. So, Kevin, you get some a little bit of different tweaks on the classic Universal monsters because they didn't have the rights to them. Uh, but, yeah, some interesting tweaks on those. But, yeah, very cool sort of thing. Uh, very fun ending. So I, I really like this. I, I, this is tailor-made for a movie. Uh, honestly, to have, you know, like a movie basically come to life and all the universal monsters are attacking basically the small town. <laughs> I think it's like it takes place in Ohio or something like that. But yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Though. I'm, a, I'm really enjoying the series so far, so I'm going to keep it going. Uh, last but not least, this is a new one from Vault, uh, brought to us by uh, Christopher Yost. And um, Rodriguez is the last name. I can't place who the was the first name. Anyway, uh, this is Unnatural Order. Um, best way I can describe this is by reading the synopsis, because this is a really cool book here. After the fall of the Britons and the Roman invasion of Hyberia, the, uh, the captive, known only as the Druid, is released, sending a darkness across the world, an age of horrors and fire and entrails. As the innocent burn in the wicker fields, those who would resist learn of the existence of a man who even the Druid fears. For, if it, for it is this prisoner a soldier from a different time, who alone knows the Druid's secret, that this is not how the world is supposed to be. So this is definitely a high fantasy book here. Great art, but the twist at the end, when you find out who the prisoner is and why the world isn't the way it is, just adds a great new level to it. Um, if you, uh, your local comic shop does have these, uh, Vault is doing something new where they're basically offering uh, number ones for a dollar. So if you can pick this up from your local comic shop, even though it has a price tag on the back of $5, this rings up for $1. So there you go. You get a brand new book for a dollar. Of course, Christopher Yost fans uh, should be familiar to, uh, or Christopher Yost should be familiar to X-Men fans because uh, he had a great run in the early 2000s on that book for a while. And of course, new X-Men as well. So uh, yeah, highly recommend all that stuff. So got some really good books this week here. Uh, and I kind of thought it was going to be a light week for me because last week was huge. I had like 25 books, and this week I had only about 10. Uh, but that's because I had to pick up a couple extras that I didn't expect. So, yeah, so some good stuff. So definitely check out your local comic shop for uh, those and a whole lot more. So we are going to take a short break for our sponsor, Comic Books for Kids. When we come back, we got some geek news to talk about. We'll be back in a bit. 
Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. And we are back. All right. So, uh, of course, top of the show, we were talking a little bit about Invincible Season 2. Uh, Crown Jewel is tomorrow. That's uh, streaming on Peacock uh, Live. So you can check it out. I think it starts at, uh, I think the pre-show starts at 1 o'clock. And the show itself may start at 3. So you double-check Peacock on that one there. Uh, but it's going to be in the afternoon because it is live from Saudi Arabia. Um don't really have too much new DC stuff to report because basically with the actor strike still going on, they can't do any new filming uh, for Superman Legacy. Now, of course, they can continue writing if they weren't doing any you know, script you know, tweaking or whatever, you know, revisions, anything along those lines. Uh, but as of right now, there's no new filming going on. So that's really our last effort uh, for DC for this year is Aquaman The Lost Kingdom coming up December 22nd. Uh, which the trailer for that looks cool. I'm I'm gonna check it out. But yeah, DC has had so many hits this year, uh, not in a good way. Uh, of course, the Batman was uh, last year that was excellent, but they basically had three duds in a row with Black Adam, The Flash, and Blue Beetle. Even though Blue Beetle was well received by viewers and by fans, and people really enjoyed it, but it didn't do very well in theaters because you know it's a a newer character uh, for some people or just a character that was just completely unfamiliar to others. And I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of fatigue. Who knows what the reason was, but um, it was an excellent film uh, for fans of the Blue Beetle and some old school, you know, Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, uh, also even some Booster Gold references thrown in there as well. So, you know, it was had plenty of stuff for the old fans. And of course, you know, uh, this Blue Beetle is uh, uh, Jaime Reyes. Uh, uh, so, a newer Beetle, who's basically, he's been around since, let's see, uh, Infinite Crisis. So, that was, I think, early 2000s there, late 90s, early 2000s, I believe. So, he's been around for a while, but he hasn't really been, outside of the cartoons, hasn't really been used too much. So, it's nice to have, like, you know, finally get him in the MC or in the uh, DC uh, universe. Now, James Gunn did say that he was going to continue using Blue Beetle uh, within his new universe. So, that's not the end for him, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how things go for DC, but yeah, right now we're basically kind of just waiting on Superman Legacy, see what's going to happen from there, kind of get into some more release dates and more details on other future projects for DC, which there's a huge slate of those, but yeah, right now all's kind of quiet. Um, if you guys didn't hear, uh, Disney Plus announced that December 1st, they're going to have, uh, uh, the new Indiana Jones film, The Dial of Destiny, that's going to be streaming on there, so uh, I would assume it's probably going to be available on uh, Blu-ray and whatnot before then. But yeah, finally streaming on Disney December 1st. Now, on to our Marvel stuff here. So uh, after the writer strike wrapped up, uh, first news we got was on Daredevil Born Again. Because uh, basically Disney was uncomfortable with how progress was going on the show. They just did not like they, what they saw pretty much. Um, initially the show was slated for a 24 episode season was going to be 
you know, while it's going to have Daredevil, lots of action, all that sort of thing, it was definitely going to be more of a legal drama trying to fit into a different genre because obviously that works for Daredevil. Uh, but definitely going to be do more of a legal drama, less comedic than She-Hulk. So this will be more kind of, I guess, like the L.A. law, of, you know, sort of thing like that. Or, you know, um, I don't know, other legal shows. <laughs> law and order, something like that, you know. Uh, but uh, the uh, main thing is that the directors and the showrunner were all fired for Daredevil. Um, so basically what we've got is uh, an entirely new showrunner, uh, which, um, have that news here, but uh, lost it on here. Anyway, uh, but yeah, an entirely new showrunner, uh, but fortunately he worked on Punisher for Netflix, so that's promising there. Uh, and then a new pair of directors, uh, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, they both previously worked on season one of Loki, uh, so also good news there. Uh, the plan is basically that they're going to use some of the existing footage they've already shot for the series, uh, and then also do some new stuff to reincorporate their new ideas and new direction for the show. So what does that mean? We don't know at this point, because we really didn't get too much of a glimpse of what the show already was going to be before these changes. But other than that, so, you know, 2024 may not be the target date for Daredevil Born Again anymore, thanks to the strikes and now these major changes. Uh, to the show itself. Next up on the docket uh, is Echo. Uh, of course, uh, today they released a brand new trailer for Echo with a logo change here. So originally we had more of the uh, golden kind of shining, you know, more sleek logo here. Uh, now we are doing this new kind of very streety block letters, uh, you know, concrete -y kind of look to it. Uh, still slated for January 10th to be released on Disney Plus in its entirety. Um, so the whole season will be out at once, so you can stream it and uh, binge it all. Uh, also, this will be the first TVMA-rated uh, Marvel series for Disney Plus. So it's beating Marvel Zombies a bunch. But yes, Echo will be the first TVMA series for Disney Plus. So there's going to be more violence, lots of bad words. All sorts of good stuff. And if you've seen the new trailer, we know also Wilson Fisk is all over this series. Um, and there is a blink, you know, you might miss it, uh, shot of Daredevil. So we know he's going to have a glimpse in uh, this series as well, because lots of tie-ins. Uh, the fortunate thing is that if you do not see the Hawkeye series, and so you're not very familiar with Echo, uh, you don't have to worry about that. Because this series will basically treat it like you don't know who this character is whatsoever. Uh, so, yeah, there you are. Uh, of course, uh, the actress uh, is Choctaw, Native American. So uh, there is actually a Choctaw trailer out that has subtitles. Uh, there will probably be a lot of that language spoken in the series as well. Uh, the character of Maya, a.k.a. Echo, uh, is deaf, so she uses sign language. So there's going to be a lot of sign language in the film and the show as well. So, you know, a lot of good representation in here. One interesting detail I want to point out, and a lot of other fans have pointed this out as well, the logo change for Echo. So, of course, we have the more sleeker look. Now it's the uh, little bit, you know, more blocky look there. Uh, but the interesting thing is there was a previous Marvel show who used this exact same font, Jessica Jones, exact same blocky letters, very sleek, you know, looks like concrete kind of busted up, you know, very street sort of look there. But yeah, Jessica Jones, the uh, series for Netflix used that exact same font. So 
Is that a coincidence? No. It's very interesting. I had Dave Manley chiming in and says, if you haven't seen Hawkeye, you should. I second that. Yes, it was an excellent series. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Kate Bishop got to absolutely shine in there, but it was lovely to see uh, Wilson Fisk also return, Vincent D'Onofrio. So, yeah. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Dave. Yes, go watch Hawkeye on Disney Plus if you haven't. It's actually it's a fun Christmas show too because it it does take place like the week before Christmas and on Christmas itself. So yeah, anyway, check it out. Uh, next bit of news here is on What If season two, which we are expecting December twenty fifth. Um, as far as I know, they're going to be doing a week to week sort of release here. It's not going to be the full series, so basically just get one episode at a time. Uh, but the full uh, range of episode titles has been released. Because, of course, you know, like I said, these are just, you know, what-if little multiversal animated tales here. Uh, some are fun, some are more serious. Uh, but either way, I just, I've always loved the concept of what-if for Marvel, one of my favorite comics. Uh, so we got some great titles here to share. Uh, first off, what if Hela found the Ten Rings? <laughs> That's going to be terrible. A little crossover of Asgard and Shang-Chi. Uh, what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? And will this be the Nova Corps that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, where they're all flying in spaceships? Or will this be the actual Nova Corps from the comics? We're wearing the alien sentient helmets here. So, yeah, we shall see about that one here. A couple comments here. Uh, Dave saying Jessica Jones was also TVMA, but even though it's only Disney Plus, it wasn't produced for it. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. But yeah, that's the first new uh, Marvel TVMA show for Disney Plus. So yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I recommend watching the final episode of I Am Groot season two. It's only a few minutes long. Okay, cool. Yeah, I watched the first season of I Am Groot, uh, which those are great for little kids uh, because it's animated shorts. They're like, you know, they're just a few minutes long. So the first episode, first season, I think, was like five or six episodes. Uh, but yeah, it's Baby Groot getting in a little mishaps and adventures and whatnot. But yeah, the new season is out on Disney Plus. need to check those out. <laughs> uh, more What If titles here. Um, we've got What If Peter Quill Attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So we've got, you know, Star-Lord versus the Avengers, possibly. What If Iron Man Crashed Into the Grand Master? So maybe, uh, you know, reversal of kind of what happened in uh, uh, Ragnarok. So we've got, you know, perhaps someone doing a Tony Stark impersonation and someone doing a Jeff Goldblum impersonation. That uh, could be fun. Uh, we have a new character they're introducing, uh, a Native American character named Kahori. Uh, what if Kahori reshaped the world? So I think she gets a Tesseract and starts reshaping reality. So that could be very interesting. Um, <laughs> definitely a Christmas-themed episode. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? So I, it would be awesome if uh, uh, John could come back for uh, the voice on that one, but I don't know, probably another person, you know, doing his voice. Uh, one I'm looking very forward to is one of my favorite miniseries for Marvel. What if the Avengers formed in 1602? So they're finally getting into the Neil Gaiman, uh, Adam Kubert, or is it was it Andy Kubert? I think it was Andy Kubert. Uh, but it's the 1602 realm was basically like Victorian age uh, Marvel stuff. So you had like the Fantastic Four, you had Spider-Man, uh, some iterations of the X-Men, a few of the Avengers in there. But it's literally kind of like retooling these heroes uh, and some villains as well into this, you know, 
age of 1602. So very excited about that episode. Looking forward to that one when it comes out. <laughs> Ryan Permissons uh, popping in saying, Happy Godzilla Day. Yes, indeed. Happy Godzilla Day. Favorite kaiju movie? Go. Um, you know what? I'm a big fan of the more recent MonsterVerse stuff, the, the Monarch stuff. And um, King of the Monsters was awesome. Love that one. So, and, you know, Godzilla versus Kong was really good too. But yeah, King of the Monsters was, to me, everything a modern day kaiju movie should be. Um, absolutely love that one. Um, probably second to that would be Pacific Rim 1. That was amazing. Basically because I was so irritated with the current, uh, the, the then Transformers movies that Michael Bay had been doing. And Pacific Rim was like, you know, Guillermo del Toro was like, this is how you shoot giant robots versus giant monsters. So, uh, Ryan Prince saying he's watching King of the Monsters tonight. Awesome. Enjoy, sir. Yeah. And I'm going to have to get to Apple TV and check out the new Monarch series that's coming out. Uh, that's basically spinning off from the world of the Godzilla and Kong stuff. So, yeah, got to check all that out. Uh, let's see. A couple more uh, new episode titles for uh, What If Season 2. Uh, Cap what If Captain Carter Fought the Hydra Stomper? So we may get an evil Steve Rogers in the Hydra Stomper, but we get the return of Captain Carter as well, so that's cool. Uh, lastly, What If Strange Supreme Intervene? Don't know what that's all about. Could we see the return of the uh, Doctor Strange from last season, where basically we kind of get the Evil Strange, he destroys an entire universe, and all that's left is him trapped in a prism. So maybe we get this character coming back. I don't know, but I'm intrigued by that. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what's uh, upcoming for uh, still this year for the MCU. Uh, next year, still on the docket, we've got Deadpool 3, Venom 3, and Captain America 4, Brave New World. So as of right now, those haven't been canceled. Those dates haven't been moved too terribly much, but I'm sure they're probably going to get pushed back. But again, hopefully the strike will get resolved. It kind of seems like in the news that we might be getting close to the end for the uh, the SAG strike. So hopefully we can get back to work. I'm sure a lot of people would want to do that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ryan's asking, uh, rumor is Sting's final match is Sting versus Flair. Should that happen? Uh, in my opinion, no, absolutely not. Uh, do I have a problem with Flair being in Sting's corner, uh, for the time being in AEW and then, you know, basically doing, you know, something within his final match? Absolutely. Uh, should he wrestle? No. Will, you know, if that does happen though, because I got a feeling it's going to, but, yeah, you know, I mean, Flair's essentially had now three retirement matches because he had, you know, the famous one with him and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Uh, then he had the Flair's last match, retirement match, where basically it was all everything was purple and all that stuff. And then he basically did kind of like a, you know, a tag match in Puerto Rico that was almost kind of this very similar thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree, Ryan. Flair is way too old to be wrestling. He is in his 80s. So, yeah, I, I would, you know, if you wind the clock back, sure. Uh, but in this case, this day and age right now, no. I would like to see Sting wrestle somebody that is kind of, you know, similar in age, but still on his level of athleticism or can maybe even carry the match a little bit more. So Sting doesn't take all the bumps. But no, I do not want to see him wrestle 80-something Ric Flair in his final match. Yeah. 
Muda got some great, you know, respect when he had his uh, retirement tour. He got to wrestle Sting a couple times during that, or wrestle with Sting. Uh, but he had his final match in Japan, and it was a very respectful sort of, you know, thing. And I you know, I, I, I want respect for Sting. He deserves it. He's had a fantastic career. Uh, no, I, I do, I do not want to see him wrestle Ric Flair in March. Please, God, no. <laughs> Lastly here, one big story uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, this has been reported, uh, initially it was reported in Variety. A uh, much larger piece was done. Uh, and then um, it was been kind of, you know, reported on by others. I read it through GQ, uh, through an article through them. But uh, talking about the, uh, the MCU retreat. So usually this has been done in the comics for decades where basically all the writers and the editorial staff will all get together and have a retreat to basically figure out what they're going to do for the next year or so for Marvel Comics. Well, Kevin Feige does the exact same thing for his producers and writers and you know even some directors as well for the movies and TV and all that stuff. So they get together and discuss what's going to be coming up for the next year or whatever else. So they had a lot to talk about this year's retreat because obviously their big problem is what's going on in the real world with Jonathan Majors, uh, where he was arrested on domestic abuse charges. Uh, he has not been you know, convicted of anything yet. There's trials and you know things going on right now, uh, but it's kind of going back and forth. So Marvel right now still has Kang, you know, uh, you know, as their main villain, Jonathan Majors still has the role. He has not been released from that yet. But they're basically watching this very carefully. And in that case, basically, they have some options of what they want to do in case of Jonathan Majors is convicted of these charges and they have to let him go. Obviously, the most easy one would be to recast him, keep Kang as your main villain. You know, they've done a lot of groundwork already, you know, with basically with Ant-Man, now with season two of Loki, and it's going to keep going on as, you know, things progress. Um you know, recasting him not too far off the realm. Yeah, you know, I mean, basically, we're dealing with somebody who's you know multiversal, whatnot. So, yeah, sure. You know, you know, recast him, and Kang looks a little different. Um, they did it once before with Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle, and we didn't seem to mind too terribly much there. The next thing uh, would be basically to bring in Doctor Doom a little early, and push aside Kang and Dr. Doom is your main guy and we got to deal with him or how they deal with it is that we still have the Kang dynasty and then Doom comes in basically to save the day. And then now we get secret wars with God Emperor Doom as it was in the comics. And that's our villain for that. So possibly that. Um, I don't hate that idea. I mean, I'm, I was always curious of how they really were going to do secret wars without Dr. Doom because Really, if you talk about either the 80s iteration or the Jonathan Hickman iteration, Dr. Doom plays a huge role in both. So they cut him out. That's like cutting out a major character of a major storyline that you really shouldn't be cutting out. So we'll see how that goes from there. Uh, the last one, the final one, which was interesting, but I also think is towing the line of desperation. Bring in the band back together. Steve Rogers comes out of retirement, is no longer a 90-year-old, you know, wrinkly old man. And Tony and Natasha return from the dead. The old, the original Avengers reunites. For whatever reason, for however they do it, I don't know. But that was also seriously talked about of 
bringing the band back together again. We shall see, but that was very curious to me. And I'm like I said, again, that's, you know, that's towing the line of desperation there. Like, you know, you know, Kevin Feige is fully aware of the fact that phase four has had a lot more misses than hits. Um, I'm a mighty Marvelite. I'm a big fan. So I haven't, you know, hated everything, anything that's come out. Uh, some is better than others, admittedly. Yes. Uh, you know, you've had, you know, Guardians 3 was really great. Werewolf by Night was really great. But other shows have had some mixed reviews and some of the movies have had mixed reviews as well. So, and we'll see how the Marvels is doing next weekend. So that's coming out. So, yeah, so we've, there are some things to discuss here. So we shall see how things go for the future for Phase 4 and for the rest of the MCU uh, going forward here. But they are definitely talking about it. They're definitely working things out and uh, seeing what kind of uh, options they have. here. So, yeah, stay tuned because I'm definitely all over the stuff. Uh, a couple more comments here from Ryan Permissen. Um, should there be more indie comic creator conventions rather than being corporate ones? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, this year's San Diego Comic-Con was interesting because of all the strikes going on. It became about the comics again. So you had a lot more comic news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. Um, artists and writers got a lot more love at the show than basically people sitting in line waiting for panels, sort of things like that. Uh, the vendors were a lot happier because people were spending money on, you know, that sort of thing and a lot less on actors. So, yeah, uh, I'm always a fan of the smaller cons anyway. And if, you know, you know, some companies, some, you know, maybe independent, you know, comic companies would get behind some conventions perhaps and bring some of their staff, you know, that, you know, or people who've created, you know, books for them. Um, you know, maybe, you know, you know, doing something along with like, have, you know, something like a wizard con, but maybe a little bit more on the independent side of things. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for that because I, you know, I read a lot of indie comics and, you know, while most of these, you know, writers and uh, artists, you know, have, you know, made their name either with DC or Marvel, uh, a lot of the stuff they're putting out, the independent stuff, blows some of that stuff away. Uh, Ryan says, a rumor has it that uh, more game developers or VFX artists are forming unions because of all the strikes. Should comic book writers and artists do the same? Um, basically, there are other uh, institutions out because you've got like the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund that helps uh, with comic book creators who are basically trying to sue for rights or whatever else. Um, Marvel and DC, basically, you're working for a corporate entity. So if you go in there with the Todd McFarlane approach of like, yay, I get to draw Spider-Man and that's going to be awesome. I love Spider-Man as a kid. And then you basically come up with a crappy contract and don't make as much money as you should, but Marvel's making a hand over fist over your work. And then you go and form a little group called Image Comics, basically, so you don't have to do this stuff anymore. Know that when you work for Marvel and DC, you're working for Marvel and DC. Your blood, sweat, and tears is going into their products, their properties, so you don't anything you, you, that you've made. Uh, hopefully, you will get some nods in the credits for the movies and TV shows that are based off your work, but that's how that goes from there. Now, going to the independence on the other thing, it's a completely different world. Uh, Image is completely a pay-for-play company, so basically... You know, a creator says, hey, I want to do this book. I got this idea and you print. And that's exactly what happens. Um, Dark Horse works a little differently. Uh, like Dark Horse, IDW, and I'm trying to think who else. Maybe Boom Studios 
kind of operates a little closer to Marvel DC sort of thing like that, where they do contracts over different series and things like that. But a lot of the other independent creators, basically, actually uh, all the independent creators, essentially, when you're creating something for Image, for Boom, for IDW, unless you're doing a licensed property already, that's yours. So you own that, you make the money off of that, you get all the praise off of that. When it comes time for movie and TV rights, they're talking to you, not the company. So, you know, a union could be helpful, you know, but at the same time, you know, if you're working in the independent stuff, you really do kind of represent yourself. Uh, you basically take care of, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, you take care of your own business, so to speak. So. You know, it'd be, I, I would like to hear a professional who works in the industry really talk about, you know, uh, you know, if they should get their own unions. Uh, I definitely agree, though, that uh, game developers and VFX artists should definitely unionize because uh, they have been, that's been a lot of the problems we've seen in some of the MCU and other real effects heavy movies. Uh, people have been kind of, you know, you know, complaining about, you know, crappy CGI is because these folks are getting overworked, they're understaffed, and not as much time and effort is being, they're being rushed basically. So, you know, movies that were, came out 10 years ago have better CG than movies that are coming out now. And it's literally because of that. They're being rushed, they're understaffed and overworked. Next up, Ryan's got, uh, seems like there's MCU fatigue. They should take a long break and adapt other comic book properties and give them a shot. Um, I think, yeah, maybe the MCU should tone things down a little bit because there's, you know, there is some MCU fatigue, but also the same thing too. It's like, we didn't have near as much fatigue when the movies were really good. You know, when they're not as good or we don't enjoy the series as much, we don't enjoy the characters as much, or it kind of gets mixed reviews. They're like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of this stuff. But when we're loving it, nobody's complaining. So... We'll see, but um, there's tons of other independent comics that are getting adapted either into movies or TV shows. Uh, just, you know, they're not coming out right now because of all the strikes that have been going on. So everybody's thing is on delay. But uh, I know we're going to see uh, Something is Killing the Children uh, television show. Um, Night of the Ghoul, which uh, came out for Dark Horse last year. Absolutely love that miniseries. Uh, that's getting adapted into uh, from Warner Brothers into a film. So there's a couple of projects that I know of. I'm sure there's tons of other independent things coming out. Um, I'm shocked that they haven't started, that no one's grabbed Radiant Black yet. Um, if You being a Power Rangers fan, Ryan, uh, if you have not checked out Radiant Black, highly recommend doing so because it's basically superpowers, you know, from space, young people, suits that are very reminiscent of Power Ranger suits. Um, yeah. Um, good question. Where is the old guard to? I know they were working on it, but I don't know if maybe it got delayed because of all the strikes or they were still in the process of filming that or what. So now they did a, they did a sequel series in the comics for the old guard, but it was more kind of like getting into, you know, some of the other immortals, uh, their stories, their histories and whatever else. So it wasn't, I think the sequel that they're going to do for Netflix is more a direct sequel with the characters they introduced in the first one, kind of their further exploits, uh, sort of thing like that. I don't think it's going to be uh, an adaptation of the sequel comic because, again, like I said, that was more kind of a, you know, history of the characters, where they came from, sort of thing like that. So we get, you know, each issue is different time periods, depending on which character we're talking about. So 
Um, wasn't as good as the original series, uh, comic-wise. So, yeah, like I said, it, was, it wasn't as cohesive of a story as the original Old Guard. But, yeah, I'd like to see the sequel. Um, because, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. So, yeah, we'll, we'll check it out whenever it happens to be. So, <laughs> well, that's all I've got for you guys this week here. So, like I said, a lot of geek news here. Uh, a lot of MCU stuff. Of course, you know, like I said, it's, everything's in a waiting game right now. We're, the writers are back to work. Somewhat, uh, basically, reality shows, uh, like uh, late night comedies, daytime shows, those are back. Some TV shows, some movies are back to work, uh, but not all of them because there's a lot more that were in shooting development rather than writing development because uh, basically we're getting, trying to come out for 2024. So we shall see, but uh, fingers crossed that things get resolved uh, from SAG and, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, movie studios and all that kind of jazz. Uh, hopefully that gets resolved uh, hopefully before the holidays because I think things could be wrapping up, I think, uh, before the end of November. So basically there's kind of a deadline coming up because there was basically a big holiday break and then basically won't do anything else until 2024 if things don't get resolved in this time period. So again, fingers crossed, everything gets resolved, people get back to work and people get paid the way they're supposed to be. And we get our movies and TV and all that good stuff. Because if not, you guys are going to have to look at me a lot more and we're going to have to find other things to talk about. So <laughs> anyway, so you guys have yourselves a good one. Enjoy your weekend out there. Uh, hopefully you can find some good, fun things to do. Uh, again, want to give a shout out to the future Bill and Patty Hood. Congratulations to them. I'll be attending their wedding tomorrow. So looking forward to that. So you all have yourselves a wonderful week, and we will see you all next time on the Fanatic Forum. Take care.